This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, so first of all, apologies in advance. If my, uh, if my voice cacks out today, first of all, you're welcome. Uh, second of all, woke up with a really, really sore throat. So if it, uh, if it sounds even worse than it normally does, apologies. If it completely dies, then it's over to Matt Marchese. Had to cancel a, uh, a hit this morning on our Calgary affiliate. So they were spared my drivel. But speaking of drivel, uh, Elliot returns today, coming up in hour two. He's going to the uh, Maple Leafs practice this morning. He will report from there in hour two. We'll talk to Greg Wyshynski uh, coming up on today's program. Normally, Greg is reserved for Wednesdays, but Big Shot had something to do yesterday. So he pushed it today. And Corey Lavalette, who covers the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, catches us up on the Canes as they'll face off against the Islanders uh, later on tonight. One of 14 games on the go around the NHL. And also, speaking of drivel, uh, Matt Marchese kicks off the program today with me in the bestie spot because Elliot's coming up in hour two. What's up, Matty? Drivel sounds so derogatory when you say it. Like, it sounds so bad. But oh, I, yeah. I, I... Oh, no, no, no. no. Speaking yeah, of dribble, there's, there's, here's there's, this there's, guy. There's, no way, there's no, no way to give that word a soft landing <laughs> at all when you're calling someone dribble. There's no, like, no, no, no. Oh, you misinterpreted what I was saying. No, no, I was lost in translation. Oh, you don't understand. You had to hear it in the original uh, the original mother tongue. No, 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 no. You, you say it's dribble. Like, there's no, there's no sugarcoating that one. So, no. a lot of dribble to kick off the program today. That's okay. We, we dribble along. It's all right. We'll manage. Okay. So a couple of games last night and a couple of 14 of them coming up later on this evening and a couple of interesting things coming out of yesterday that I want to go over with you. <laughs> I just love this quote from Chris Tanev. Well, I mean, I just love Chris Tanev. Uh, I don't know who doesn't. Unless you're playing against Chris Tanev, like, how do you not love this guy? And we can recall a couple of nights ago when he blocked a slap shot with his face. Now, we've seen players do that before, most famously Ian LaPerriere in a uh, Philadelphia, New Jersey series. That was the worst one I ever saw. Oh, God, that was so bad. Paul Martin with the slap shot, and bam, right in Ian LaPerriere's face. Um, so Tanov blocks a shot two nights ago with his face. Here's the quote. You'll love this one. Probably not the smartest play to do that, <laughs> but it was the only way I was going to get in front of the puck because it was coming across from that way. Matty? Yeah. That's... Um, that's game 22 of the season. That's what he's doing in November. In Le Perrier did that in playoffs. Okay, you can understand it in playoffs. Yeah. This is what Chris Tanev is doing in game 22. Yeah, goalies have a lot more equipment, Chris. Um, you might you might let them stop a shot or two <laughs> during the regular season. It's funny because when we were talking about that the other day, I actually got a text from a buddy who played with Chris at RIT, and he said, RIT just oh, yeah. makes players tougher. Uh, Rochester water. And I said, yes, except uh, for you. Uh, um, so shout out to uh, uh, my buddy, Andrew uh, Favitt, who watches and yeah. listens to this show regularly, and he's the guy who played with uh, with Chris Tanev there. Well, what, what it always reminds me of is Todd Warner told me this great story. He was playing in Germany. And do you remember a defenseman from the Western League by the name of David Cooper? Oh, yeah, he was a Leaf David draft pick, Cooper wasn't he? was a... He played with the Leafs. So, Dave, so you remember, so you want to grab the bio real quick? And while sure. I filibuster, we can go down the bio here in a couple of seconds. So this is after a couple of months, the beginning of the season, and the team's not doing well. So what happens normally in European hockey is after the first couple of months, okay, the season's not going well, so they bring in more imports or get rid of the imports that they have and bring in more imports. And so I can't remember what team it was that, uh, that Warner told me he was playing for, but one of the players they bring in 
was a guy by the name of David Cooper. And Hans Zock, okay, Hans Zock is sort of a legendary coach um, in Europe. Not always for the positive, if you catch my drift, a pretty old school guy. So Hans Zock is coaching, and they call all the players before the practice to center ice, and they introduce David Cooper to the group, and Zock looks down at his shin pads, and they're tiny. He's got like the, 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 the tiniest shin pads you've ever seen. And the coach sort of looks at his legs and says, what's that? And he said, uh, those are my shin pads. He says, go to, go, to see, go to see the trainer. He says, go to see the trainer for what? He goes, you need to get bigger shin pads. And he goes, bigger shin pads for what? And he says, for blocking shots. <laughs> and Cooper, without missing a beat, looks around and says, what, we don't have a goalie on this team? <laughs> I love it. See, that, that's the perfect answer because there is a reason why people sign up to play in net. It's so you can stop the shot so I don't have to. That is your job. Mine yeah. is to keep guys out of yeah. the way. That's it. That's right. That's where that and that's where the you know all the all the shot blocking that everybody does now. That's why you know Brian Burke always talks about this and one of Burke's great lines uh, looks. Hey boys, we're drafting a defenseman. Make sure you bring the crayons to the table. <laughs> the other great one is all defensemen are dumb forwards. Um, okay, anyhow, we love our defensemen and we love Chris Tanev. And I thought that was a pretty humorous quote. And thankfully, Chris Tanev is okay. Yeah, no kidding. Getting that shot in the face. Okay, one other thing I want to go over with you here um, before we get to what happened last night. I want to talk about Washington and Charlie Lindgren. Mm-hmm. Um, but first, tonight, amongst the 14 games, are the Buffalo Sabres and the St. Louis Blues. Now, I'm going to ask you to put your thinking toque on. Uh-oh. Yeah, so, yeah, I know, right? Okay, so here's the here's the deal. Uh, oh, hang on. Warner just texted in. Yeah, I love it, buddy. Yeah, a boy, one touch. <laughs> um, that's Warner's story. It's a, it's a great one. Okay, so <laughs> tonight, Buffalo faces off against St. Louis. All right, so Doug Armstrong, general manager of the St. Louis Blues, looking for win number 780. Okay, he's stuck on win number 779, uh, tied with Craig Patrick and Bill Torrey. So if he wins tonight, or the St. Louis Blues win tonight, he's clean. So he gets that spot right behind Bobby Clark. Like, here, here are your leaders. David Poyle with 1,533. Lou Lamarillo with 1,413. Glenn Sather, 1,319. Harry Sinden, all one team, by the way, Boston, that a boy, Harry, 1,170. Ken Holland, 1,104. Cliff Fletcher, 953. Jim Rutherford, 939. Jack Adams, 913. Emil the Cat Francis, 839. Bobby Clark, 806. And Doug Armstrong is stuck on 779, looking for 780 if he gets it. As I mentioned, he passes Craig Patrick and Bill Torrey. Do you know where this phenomenon came from? Before I ask you a very pointed question, do you know where this phenomenon came from? What, GM wins? Yeah. No, I don't. Was, was GM wins ever the thing that you counted when you no. were a kid? Like, did you ever consider GM wins ever no. like, for one second of your life as a youth, Matt Marchese? Not once did it even cross my mind, Jeffrey. And I and I like to think I that I think about a lot of ridiculous hockey things. This was not one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Like in Which all saying my time something for you around the Hockey <laughs> Hall of Fame or the Resource Center or whatever, it never in my mind that I think, I wonder how many wins this general manager has. The whole thing, well, first of all, it was popularized by the Nashville Predators. 
they were the first ones to publish huh. it. These were the first, they were the first ones to keep track of it. Now, it helps when it's your guy who's on top. <laughs> no kidding. David Poyle is the is, is, is the top dog. But nonetheless, uh, I've referenced this book before, and I've referenced this person before. And it's someone that used to work for the Dallas Stars and will probably work in a significant management capacity somewhere down the road. Let me just reach back to the bookshelf here for one second and grab this book. If you're listening across the Sportsnet Radio Network and not watching on 360, I'm holding up a book, which I recommend to everybody. It's hard to find. Uh, it's long out of print. I apologize because it's really expensive, uh, but it's worth it. It's called Behind the Moves, NHL General Managers Tell How Winners Are Built. It's written by Jason Ferris. Mm-hmm. Like For me, this one belongs on every hockey fan's book shelf. It's a fascinating read. Um, about a profession that we really don't know a whole lot about because, as I've moaned about before, general managers don't write books, unfortunately. I mean, bless Brian Burke, bless Doug McLean. I mean, they, they're general managers that have written books, and I think the hockey world should thank them for that. But, you know, the fact that, you know, that Bill Torrey never wrote a book about building the Islanders or... Uh, I don't know. Take your take your pick of well, Sam Pollock never wrote a book, or any other general manager. Cliff Fletcher would be have would make it a, write an amazing book uh, about all of his times and the thing you know the, the the deals that were discussed, the draft pick conversations, all of that. Like that's all lost to hockey history. So Ferris does a really good job trying to put as much of this information all together. And one of the things that Ferris started tracking was GM wins. And I guess when Ferris would have been interviewing David Poyle, he mentioned it to someone in Nashville, maybe Kevin Wilson, the great PR director um, for the Nashville Predators, media relations director for the for the Nashville Predators. And that's where it began. And Nashville were the first to popularize it because, again, their guy was on top. And why not? Like, it's a, it's a nice bit of, of marketing and it's a great sort of feather in David Poyle's hat. Now, here's a question I have for you. Um, we know about goalie wins. We know about coaching wins. We know about general manager wins. My question to you is, which NHL player has the most wins? Oh, boy. That's got to be somebody that played a lot and on good teams. Oh, wait. Oh, good one, Maddie. I know. I'm just, I know, I'm, I'm just thinking out loud. I know that's not always <laughs> the best conversation when you think out loud in your own head. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah, man. Man, Gordy, how? No, no. I'm gonna go a different route. I'm gonna go with mm-hmm. Mark Messier. Okay. No, darn it. Not an Oiler. Not an Oiler. You want a hint? Huh? Not an Oiler. I don't know. This right from uh, our man Steve Fellin, Sportsnet Stats. I would this morning. I would have said Gordy How. This ain't but... from my brain. David Sis suggested Yarmir Yager, but there were some bad Capitals teams no. he played on. And he was away for a long time. And he was away for a long time. Okay, I, I'm I'm stumped, Jeff. It's going to be shocking. Here's your hint. He he's the best defenseman to ever play the game. Oh, it's it, it, it's Nick Lidstrom because that's who you think is the best Correct. defenseman ever. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. No, that that's who is the best <laughs> defenseman who ever played the game. It's Nick Lidstrom, the 937 wins in his career. Have you ever thought about that for a second in your life? No, not a chance. <laughs> not a chance. I, I, again, like, these are, it's, I mean, it does tell you something, though. 
It's not something that you just I learn. Guess. Like the GM, on good teams. Yeah, the GM one tells you more that like feels like a lifetime achievement award rather than a player one, doesn't it? It's weird to think about it that way. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what to make of any of it. To be honest with you, I don't know what to make about general manager wins because I hadn't considered it for a second in my life. I don't know. Maybe these guys just sort of dodged rebuilds. Yeah, right? I guess that's true too. Established teams and 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 walked in walked into teams that were really good. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like Kyle Dubas. Kyle 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 Dubas wasn't you know wasn't running the Toronto Maple Leafs through a rebuild. He walked into a team when it was about to be really good. Well, I mean, again, but you got to be They're there for a long time years. to get the wins too, right? Yeah, you really do. Okay, so we've wasted people's time with that one. They but like that, they like that, that kind of ridiculous just, stuff, though. Just that, that's why they tune into this show. Who? Oh, thanks. That's no, no, it's better. because it's so out. Be on my, my tombstone one day. <laughs> my tombstone one day. How do they knew? I knew a lot of ridiculous stuff. You do, and it's fun though. Couldn't really function. In, couldn't couldn't function in society <laughs> or hold a conversation that didn't involve icings or offsides. But he, he knew a lot of stuff. Hey, you yeah, know what, though? People like stuff. Grave. Jeff, our, both of our brains are filled with ridiculous nonsense that we can use in no other facet than on this radio show. Yeah, I know. Like putting, like drawing Trust pictures on tape. I saw somebody tagged you in that okay, yesterday. you want to do that? Yeah, let's oh, do oh, it. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that. Okay, so Ryan D. Are we going to talk about hockey from last night? Uh, Ryan, I want to talk about the Capitals. Charlie Linger, please. We'll get there. But we'll get first, there. Ryan, uh, Ryan Darcy, Ryan Darcy uh, heard our conversation yesterday about drawings on tape, on specifically white tape. So he sent in a picture uh, that he put on his son or daughter, whoever, I'm not sure who it is, who plays peewee hockey on the backhand side of the stick. And it's a picture of a turkey's face. It's beautiful. Which is pretty good. And I got one, uh, a reply to that from a gentleman by the name of Ben Cousins, who said, one year in youth hockey, I taped my stick black and with white tape wrote goal over it. <laughs> I like that. This one's going in. Another guy says, did you draw muffins on the tape? Yeah, that would be my shot. <laughs> Maddie, how about you? Uh, no, I I had the... I had the um... Uh, the the sniper scope on it. I drew multiple sniper scopes on my tape. It worked. You did not. I did. What a donkey you are! Why'd you do that? What a donkey, Jeff. You do you know? Do you know how easy it is to draw a sniper scope rather than something that actually looks good? Uh, it's just a circle <laughs> with a bunch of lines. I'm not artistically. Uh, I'm no. I'm artistically yeah. inept. That's what it is. Someone else uh, tweeted me a picture of Joey Decords. White I saw tape that when he was in uh, Belleville in the senators organization. Yeah, don't zoom in. Yeah, don't zoom in yeah, on that. Don't one. Uh, don't. That was don't a, that has to have been a prank. Uh, Somebody did that to him was. for sure. They did. That's like the Billy Ripken um, bleep face on the bottom of his bat on the baseball card. You <laughs> baseball know that. Bat. I'm not so sure that was a that wasn't a goof. Come on, <laughs> I'm choosing not to think it was a goof. Okay, so OD Devil submits to that one. If any goalie is distracted by your tape job or cute little cartoons. They must immediately hang up their pads and turn in their union card. Goalies notice the angle of your stick, not the tape job. 30-plus years as a goalie, and I'm telling you not to waste your time. Steve Valcat told me different, and he played in the NHL, and he yes. deals with goalies all the time. I don't know. I think Steve knows what he's talking about. Shout out Steve Valcat. He's a beauty. Yeah, he really is. Okay. Okay, let's there talk about go. goalies. So that's the, uh... Hang on a second. Uh -oh. This is... Whoa. 
This is stunning. Is that like the I one that, that has the book like was expensive? Oh, so uh, Zerk sends me this. There's expensive, and then there's this. I mean, I know the book's out of print, but over a thousand bucks. Is it autographed by Jason? By any chance? If it's a thousand dollars, should be autographed by like the ghost of Sam Pollock. <laughs> now that would be a good one to get. <laughs> for now that guy, for that kind of money, good, Holy good smokes. luck. Maybe I should sell mine. <laughs> I've already read it. So I should just sell it. Slide a cool grand into my pocket. Man. Yeah, no problem. Makes Christmas go a little easier. Christmas go a little easier. Uh, okay, so a few things. Uh, last night, Washington Capitals over the Los Angeles Kings. You know those games. You know those games where you totally dominate another team? Of course you do. Mm -hmm. Um, But the goalie's just too good, and it wasn't going to happen for you? Yeah, that was last night's L.A.-Washington game. Like, I don't know if you you stayed up to watch it last night, but the whole time I'm thinking, it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. Uh, Specifically in that third period when L.A. outshot Washington 15-3. to You're just like, L.A. is just pounding on him, pounding on him, pounding on him, pounding on him. And Charlie Lindgren was phenomenal and Charlie Lindgren has been phenomenal all season long for the Washington Capitals you know remember a couple of years ago we had Woodley on the program and this is right before free agency and we said like who's going to be the sneaky great signing in the offseason the AHL mm-hmm. goaltender that you're going to get at a bargain basement price that's going to be a stud for you and I think the first name out of his mouth was Charlie Lindgren and last night he's I mean like he's been all season long tremendous yeah he has been and he's he's, been fantastic and and you got to start asking the question here like darcy kemper and i know he was away from the team for a bit but at what point do we start to see a little bit more of charlie lindron because obviously this is working for the capitals nobody had any expectations for washington this year they certainly they didn't start out very well um and they've been doing Mm. it in a way that Let's face it, we didn't expect the Capitals to do. They've, generally speaking, been a team that scores a lot of goals and uh, they don't defend super great and their goaltending had been kind of okay. But now you look at it and you see Charlie Lindgren's numbers and you go, like, the guy's got a 9-3-4 save percentage on a team that still doesn't mm. defend all that well, but they're managing to keep the puck mm. out of the net. Why is that? Well, the goaltending has mm-hmm. been pretty good. Uh, so I'm I'm very curious to see yeah. at what point do we start to see it shift a little bit more towards Charlie Lindgren and a little bit less, or at least more of a split anyway, between Lindgren and Kemper? I think if you're Washington, you, you ride the hot guy. Yeah. Like, I really do. Like, maybe we talked to Brian McClellan and asked him specifically about, you know, aging curves, and, like, that's a legitimate thing. Like, when you're winning and your goaltender is hot, like, I look at someone like Jake Ottinger in Dallas and say, okay, you know what? He's trending to playing 60 games right now. I know that's down two from last year, and he hit the wall come playoff time. You might want to get his get get his games down somewhere into the mid-50s, maybe. I mean, I understand you're Pete DeBoer. You just want to default to your top dog every single night, but... Um, but what I'm saying about Charlie Lindgren is, you know, Washington and Dallas are in two very different places in their winning cycle. If I'm the Washington Capitals and I've found some gold here, keep digging and keep throwing Charlie Lindgren out there. Just bank the wins. Yeah. Just bank the points now. This is a long season. Age, injuries. We all know what happened to the Capitals last year because of injuries. Bank them. And if that means you got to really ride Charlie Lindgren hard, do it. Also, in that game, it was the third line. That carried them. Connor McMichael, this is a big year for Connor McMichael, with a goal and an assist. Anthony, 
always on the trade block, Mantha. Yep. With a goal and an assist as well. And uh, Alexi Protus is the uh, the third in that line. It was the third line and Charlie Lindgren, who was in the American Hockey League five minutes ago, that won it over maybe the top maybe the top team in the NHL. With all due respect, New York Rangers, I flip flop. And on the it road, was the third line with a guy who's been on the trade uh, in in Los Angeles at Crypto.com. It was a, it was a, it was a weird game, and LA just dominated it. Were the final shot thirty nine fifteen. Final shots last night. Yeah, yeah, that would indicate a pretty good goaltending performance by Charlie Lindgren. I, you know, the, here's yeah. the, here's the other thing with Lindgren too. Like he's got another year left after this year at a cool one point one million dollars. If you are the yeah. Capitals and this thing starts to go a little bit south, yes, he has the one year left at that money, but we've also seen what you know one B goaltenders have gone for in in trades. If you were them, would you be inclined to uh, to entertain the idea pretty seriously about moving him? Again, it's so early in the season and things can go multiple directions here for Washington. But in a cap yeah. world that having a goalie that's playing that well at $1.1 million, that's as good of an asset as you can have if you're a playoff team. Is that someone that maybe you dangle out there in theory? For the Capitals, because you know that somebody's going to be looking for a goaltender. I love how about two seconds after I talk about how great Lindgren is right now for the Capitals, <laughs> they need to use him to bank points. Your default <laughs> setting is what can they get for him a trade deadline? I play a lot of fantasy sports, Jeff. That's kind of how our yeah, brains work. Say, <laughs> fa- fantasy hockey much there, Maddie? Holy smokes. Uh, yeah, I have the nerve to actually enjoy the hockey games and the standings and the race for <laughs> President's well, it's, trophies it's more... and Stanley Cups and things and... It's more because, like and no disrespect to, to Washington, is that I just don't I don't see it here. I don't see the long-term success this season. I think it's a nice story right now, but I'm also a realist, Jeff. Yeah. And I look at the roster and I go, mm, I'm not sure that I see it, especially with teams like New Jersey going to get healthier and teams that have kind of started slow out of the gate that are, you know, coming into form like maybe the Sabres or, um, you know, Maybe yeah. the Montreal Canadiens, Detroit, right? Whoever the case may be, but teams that are going to be in that mix for the wild card spot, I don't see Washington there. That's kind of where my head's at right now. Um, one thing I want to get to: uh, one quick tweet. We're talking about uh, drawing things on your mm-hmm. play tape, and uh, DC tweets in QMJHL legend Kevin Cormier. Well, first of all, he's not just a Q legend. He's an LNAH legend as well. He was tough. Uh, QMJHL legend Kevin Cormier would write the other team's tough guy's name <laughs> on his blade. Oh, I love that. That's so good. That's so good. See? Want to hear my favorite tough it? guy story? Sure. Just riffing on stories? Sure. Want to hear my favorite? Though this is, this is the late, great Dave Semenko. So Dave Semenko who was the king for a long time in both the WHA and the NHL. Dave hated the way that tough guys talk to each other on the edge. Yeah, we're going to go. Yeah, you want to go. Yeah, you're so He hated that. Dave was, Dave liked to engage in what either he referred to, I think he referred to it this way, as witty goon talk. He liked witty goon talk. He didn't like the, you know, oh, when, the, when he drops the puck, I'm going to take this hockey stick and I'm going to blah, 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 blah. Dave hated that. So what Dave would do is when he saddled up to next to someone and he wanted to go, just imagine 
hearing this from Dave Semenko. This is like, this is like assassin language here. Semenko would saddle up next to the guy. And instead of like yelling and screaming and threatening him, he would just turn to whomever was going to be his next victim. And he would say, why don't you and I go for a little canoe ride? Can you imagine, Maddie? I'm just getting shivers thinking about it. Dave Semenko turning to you and asking if you want to go for a little canoe ride with Dave Semenko. That was his way of inviting a fight. That sounds like something out of The Sopranos, if I'm being honest, Jeff. (laughs) Kind of does, too. Let's go go for a little... Because you know you're not coming back. That's the answer to the question. (laughs) Well, one one person's coming back. Two people are going on the canoe ride. Yeah, only one's coming back. back. Speaking of of tougher guys, Jeff, um, did you see um, our pal Mike Russo's tweet on the the meeting, I guess, between Dean Evason and Bill Guerin? Because it's yep. great. It's great. So yeah, for those that, for those that didn't see one. it, uh, Dean Evison has a sit down with the Wild, and he says uh, he says to Bill Guerin, "Are you firing me, bud?" And Guerin says, "Yeah." And he says, "We hugged it." And Evison says, "We hugged it out and just started." Cry- he started crying, and so did I. That tells you how tough of a, a move that was for Bill Guerin, right there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I like Bill Guerin Not a lot. On any of these people, of course. Um, we all like Bill Guerin. Um, and he's in a really, really tough spot. Like, I honestly, I can't wait. I can't wait for the first interview once the salary cap handcuffs are off. And Bill can talk about, openly about what it was like managing through the $15 million black hole. That was a Parise suitor buyouts. Yeah. And you know the other thing that I always wonder about, too? When the Minnesota Wild go through bad stretches... And we always have the conversation about all the money that's on the books for the buyouts. What do you think Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter are thinking? Thanks. <laughs> well, they're, they're, I mean, yeah, in, in, in one sense, but, you know, they'll never admit publicly that they're taking delight in the misery of sure. others. But you don't think they're thrilled about that? Yeah, I think, I think we all have that like, oh, I wasn't good enough for you, but look at you now. Uh, we've all been in those relationships, <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> Is that is that tasteless to bring up here on this <laughs> hockey show? Uh, we like to have fun. Um, by the way, you said Rangers. Who, by the way, you said who night. doesn't love what? Bill Guerin? I know one person that probably doesn't love Bill Guerin. That's uh, that's Brett Draney. Just as an aside, <laughs> Rangers last night beat the Detroit <laughs> Red Wings three two. And you know what I was thinking last night watching this game and just seeing Rangers fans. I know non Rangers fans are going to hate me for this, but that's okay because here I go. I don't get this feeling because I'm not a fan of any team like there are some teams that i really enjoy watching there are some teams that i want to do well based on i want this person to do well or i hope this person does well etc but i don't like have a team that i cheer for um but watching the game last night and watching that rangers come back i couldn't help but think to myself well the rangers are playing this good and have as interesting a team as they have right now at every single position there's new school players, there's old school players, there's aging goaltenders that are squeezing every last drop out of the career, and there's Igor Shosturkin, Vesna Trophy winner, and there's old school crushers like Jacob Truba, and then there's his partner in K. Andre Miller, and then there's Norris Trophy candidate perennially Adam Fox, and then there's your top six, which are just so dynamite to watch, whether it's Sabinajad, whether it's Artemi Panarin, who was great again last night. 
it's got to be really fun to be a Rangers fan right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and if you watch that crowd, it's like, does it not seem like it's just got to be so much fun to be a New York Rangers fan when they're playing this good and this dynamic and they're this much fun to watch? Well, they're more fun it's to watch than, than their other New York counterparts in other sports. I will tell you that much for free. Um, but then you look at, you know, getting... How the Jets doing, Maddie? Yeah, yeah, the Jets. I hear Aaron Rodgers is coming back. Yeah, the Jet. By the way, the Jets aren't even in the great state of New York. <laughs> I like to remind people of that. There's only one team, and it's the Buffalo Bills. Anyway, besides that point, um, you know, the, the Rangers... How are they doing? They're, they kill me every year, Jeff. Um, oh, so, yeah, I know. So the, uh, the Rangers are so interesting because they, they're one of those teams that feels like they can beat you in a different way every single night. And I don't, I don't want to say that they're overly physical, but they can at least try and play that way. Um, but they can beat you with skill. They can beat you playing good defense. They can beat you with goaltending. Like those are the scary teams. Like there are some teams that you look at and you know, going in, this team's not going to beat us with goaltending or this team's not going to beat us because they can score goals or defend us or whatever the case may be. Mm. I think you go into every game playing the Rangers and go, I don't know how they're going to beat us tonight, but I know they can. And that's, I think the scary thing that they have going for them. I like that you brought up with Sam Rosen yesterday about, you know, how, we thought that maybe that loss to the Devils last year may have kind of broken the Rangers. And I think a lot of people had that expectation. And all they've done is come out and played way better than anyone expected. And and frankly, they've done it without Igor Shosturkin playing at that insanely high level so far. Yeah. You know why I brought that up with Rosen? Why is that? You can guess. Oh, the Oilers. The Oilers and, and Flames. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Jacob Markstrom. Because in an emotional series like that, well, that's always that's always, that's always been Markstrom's kryptonite, Edmonton, for whatever reason. And he's talked he talked to Elliot and I about that in uh, Paris two years ago at the NHL Euro Players Tour, uh, where we talked about getting over the the mental hurdle of the Edmonton Oilers. But I, I honestly, like, I really thought maybe I just because I'm so you know conditioned because of the the Battle of Alberta. But I really thought that this was going to be a year where the, where that lost. I don't say about crushed the Rangers. But really damaged the Rangers. Yeah, set them and, back and a made bit. them take an E. Quite the op- quite the opposite. Yeah. Quite the opposite. Like and to Sam's point too, like that got them angry. It was almost like remember that Oilers team in the eighties where every time you scored on them, it 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 felt like they were personally offended by it. <laughs> like how dare you score how dare you, sir? So where are the Oilers? How dare you score on us? And then like Curry and Anderson, Messier in 99 would score like three real fast. Yeah. The game would be over. Oh, you woke in the giant. That about that Oilers team and we don't. Well, yeah, they, they would get pissed off like and really offended that you had the. Who are you, Hartford Whalers, scoring on us? I don't think so. I always love that type of arrogance from that Oilers team back in the 80s. Um, all right. Uh, we're going to hit a break here. Did we talk about anything? Yeah, um, we did. We mentioned Dave Semenko stories, and that was fun. Yeah. Okay, very good. Yeah. We're get, we getting paid for this? Uh, Corey Lavalette stops by in a couple of moments. He uh, covers um, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes for The Athletic and the North State Journal. Uh, well, they're in action tonight against the New York Islanders. And you want to talk about frustrating teams to play against? <sighs> Exhibit A, the Carolina Hurricanes. Greg Wyshynski in hour two. And the returning... Speaking of drivel, Elliot Friedman, latest blog available at sportsnet.ca. Lots on Patrick Kane, lots on Corey Perry as well. Friedman and Wyshynski in hour two. Corey Lavalette next. Merrick Show continues across the Sportsnet radio network, simulcast on Sportsnet 360. And wherever you listen to your podcasts, back in a moment. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Having some tea. So I work on my throat here, seeing if I can soldier through another 90 minutes. Uh, I'll tell you what, Corey Lavalette's going to make it a lot easier from North State Journal and The Athletic. Covering off the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, tonight they'll face off against the New York Islanders. Uh, Carolina remains one of my favorite teams to talk about, and Corey, one of my favorite people to do so with. How are you today, Corey? Doing well, Jeff. How are you? Uh, I'm good. So I want to ask you a question. Do you know who Val Fontaine was? Does that name resonate with you at all? No, you got me on that one. So Val Val Fontaine was a defensive forward in the 1960s. He played with the Detroit Red Wings, um, played with the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, spent some time in the WHA with the Oilers. And Val Fontaine was considered the cleanest player maybe in the history of the NHL. He went, I think it was like five seasons without a penalty minute. He had like 800, he played 830 games and only had like 26 minutes in penalties. Like it's a, a remarkable stat. And the reason I bring that one up is how do the Carolina Hurricanes, as aggressive as they are with a coach like Rod Brindamore, have a penalty-free game against the Philadelphia Flyers? Well, I, you know, I just went live with a story on The Athletic about this. And, um, you know, it, it actually hadn't happened in the Rod Brindamore era. And the only team that has, that is the current leader now, but still has a longer stretch are the, are the Los Angeles Kings, who haven't had a penalty-free game since 2016. Uh, but teams like Columbus hmm. have had 12 such games, and they had 12 games where their opponents uh, didn't have a penalty. I, I'm sure you're going to love this stuff because I know you love the minutia. Um, yeah, I do. And, I do. I do. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the St. Louis Blues had the St. Louis Blues had back-to-back games last November, and uh, there's a there's just a ton of funny little uh, you know the the Ducks have had three since the start or five since the start of 2018-19, uh, and three of them all came in January 2019. Huh. So just all these weird things. So. Uh, the question more is why hasn't it happened to the Hurricanes since since then? Um, because it's <laughs> happened to a lot of other teams. But you're right, their aggression, uh, the way they play, uh, and then coming off of the the previous game, which is kind of the crux of the story, uh, with them kind of imploding with Andrei Svechnikov taking a tripping penalty at the start of the second period after. Um, Carolina had held the lightning to one shot on goal, which came from center ice, um, you know, to, mm-hmm. to then, you know, take three penalties, give up three power play goals and lose eight to two. And uh, everybody's in a panic. And then they come back out the next game and don't take a penalty at all. So hockey, right? <laughs> hmm. Hockey. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm just, you know, stunned that, you know, the, this is like the, the one point that I think we all make about the Carolina Hurricanes and you, you talk to various players around the league who play against Carolina. They'll tell you the same thing. Um, they're not gonna like, they're not a bunch of, you know, crushers and heavyweights and, you know, no one's going to be in the top 10 in penalty minutes. But as far as being a team that you just hate to play against because they're so aggressive on you and just suffocate you and, and, and suck all the oxygen from around you. That's the way Carolina has played. And, you know, you've been there to document all of it and have always played around Rod Brindamore. Um, what was like, I think a lot of us look at this season and say, we thought there's going to be two teams that went 
pillar to post, you know, uh, end-to-end tops in the Metropolitan Division. One was going to be the New Jersey Devils, and we all know how they've been, you know, they've been bit by injuries to their top two centers, Timo Meyer, etc. Goaltending an issue there as well, as some suspected it might be. Uh, and the other was the Carolina Hurricanes. How would you describe the Canes here now that the quarter mark has come and gone? Well, I think it's it's rounding into form now. It's It's better than it uh, had been a lot of that is, um, you know, and I, I did anybody who's been a writer or in media or anything has had situations where they've done uh, a whole bunch of work on something and then it all just kind of fell apart. And before the season, I said, has there been a better, you know, defense group on paper than what the hurricanes have put together here in the cap era? Uh, with the additions of Dmitry Orloff and and Tony D'Angelo and what he was able to do in Carolina the first time around. Uh, and then they put Orloff and D'Angelo together, and it just did not work. Uh, it was definitely uh, a glaring problem. Mm. And, I, I, you know, you don't want to pin it on one guy. Sometimes those things just don't go well. And I'm not saying that's the only reason they had their their up and down start certainly goaltending played part of that too um but it feels like maybe it's kind of getting righted now um i know you're a big pyotr kachetkov fan he'll make his third straight start tonight and he's had two consecutive uh good appearances so uh, maybe they can lean on him a little bit uh with with frederick anderson on the shelf still and uh questions about you know when if he'll be back uh he was around again today right. in the in the player lounge. But um, when you're dealing with stuff like the, that involves blood clots, I mean, can you even get on a plane and go somewhere? You know, that's what sticks out in my mind. So um, yep. the defense kind of getting, getting fixed, I think is a big thing. And I don't think that means Tony D'Angelo is the permanent seventh defenseman. Um, it's just, he played so well with Jacob Slavin and now that that spot isn't open, you know, Brent Burns is on that side yeah. and, uh, Brent Burns doesn't get hurt, so I don't think that's changing, um, or at least doesn't get hurt and stop playing. Um, so, uh, you know, I think, you know, Jalen Chatfield and Orloff have looked good together, uh, so we'll see what happens with the defense going forward, but it looks better now um, with the, with those six that have played um, right now, but it, mm-hmm. at the, on the flip side, it hurts the power play, so... Um, you know, it's not easy being an NHL coach, and Rod Brindamore learns that, I guess, every week. Can you see Don Waddell moving one of these defensemen? I mean, I think we've wondered, even though they just signed him, we we wonder about Tony D'Angelo. Um, but can you see Carolina moving one of these D? I mean, they are negotiating from a position of strength if they do so. I, You know, I think they've, they've sniffed around on that a little bit. I heard that they may have been uh, in on a couple things that would have involved D'Angelo going the other way. Um, but obviously those haven't, haven't panned out. Um, you know, they like Tony. I right. think they, they like him in the room. They like what he brings offensively. Uh, it's just, if he, if there's not a home for him with a, with a guy on the other side, it becomes tough to, to cover up, you know, some of his deficiencies defensively. And, uh, it doesn't make him a bad player, but it makes him one that you have to have the right fit with. And they're not in a position to take Jacob Slavin away from, Brent Burns and put those two together again at this point. So uh, I could see something happening. um, But at the same time, you love having depth. You know, you love having depth and having somebody, you know, knows how to play your system. And uh, after, you know, after uh, D'Angelo, the next step would be Dylan Coughlin with, uh, with Caleb Jones, obviously having been traded in the uh, Mm -hmm. preseason. So uh, 
yeah, so it's it's a, a little bit of a conundrum, I'd say. You know, Corey, you mentioned uh, Kachetkov a couple of seconds ago, and you know, I can't help but thinking, I think you and I have talked about this before, um, in the offseason, I, I just wonder, you know, if, if Kachetkov was miffed, upset, pissed off when the team also brought back the same two goaltenders uh, as last season. I remember talking to Jake Ottinger last year and he said like, yeah, when uh, when I thought I was going to be a starter in the uh, National Hockey League and I had earned that, I thought I had earned that spot, all of a sudden Jim Nill goes out and brings in Braden Holtby and he said, yeah, I let Jim know that I was really pissed off about that. How was Kachetkov when they brought back the other two? You know, he's a pretty easygoing guy off the ice and um, always smiling. And uh, I don't I don't know that it bothered him that much. I think, you know, when I talked to him at the end of last year and, you know, the conversation takes a little work because his English is still, you know, in pro in progress, I guess. Um, but he told me he's like, I'd love to be I'd love to be in Raleigh um, next season, which is this year. Uh, and then with all the uncertainty surrounding the AHL team, I think we've talked about this previously. Um, you know, you yep. don't know where you're going otherwise. Um, I think the, the one, you know, thing that helps is, hey, we gave you, you know, a, an $8 million contract and you're making $2 million this year no matter where you are. And um, they know those two goalies, uh, as, as has been shown here, uh, have a little bit of a history yeah. of injury. And I, I don't think you can pin what's happened to Frederick Anderson at all on durability. We're talking a whole uh, different, different situation, but um, you know, uh, yeah. I think that he knew he'd get a chance. And now I think I said, when he first got recalled after, after Anderson went down, uh, th is this his chance? Is this the opportunity for him to take the reins? He didn't to start, uh, but now two games mm -hmm. in a row, can, can he play well against the Islanders tonight? And and really force the hurricane's hand as saying, hey, I'm the number one guy, you know, somebody come and take it from me. Yeah, you mentioned the Chicago Wolves a second ago, and uh, just like a park, a, a quick couple of minutes here on that conversation for our listeners and viewers that, that don't necessarily follow the dynamics between uh, the NHL and the American League, uh, the Chicago Wolves, who were aligned, uh, were the AHL affiliate for the uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. There's been a uh, sharp, at times, um, angry split between the two sides. Corey, let's let's just say, um, and you know, the the, the uh, Chicago Wolves now are existing as an independent, and the Carolina Hurricanes are without a direct American Hockey League affiliate. Although we're starting to see players get place there and you know the cynical part of me looks at that and says well yeah of course because Chicago's last in their division so they need bodies and they can't hang on to grudges um, is that true or are we starting to see a thaw between the two sides I, I think you know the Wolves kind of said oh we need a commitment to winning that was the the kind of thing that I think I think struck a lot of us in in Carolina here as strange considering the hurricanes had won the previous two Calder cups before last season when they just missed out on the postseason and had a ton of the, mm -hmm. you know, veteran guys they had signed end up hurt. So that made it, you know, a yeah. weird situation. It wasn't, and you know, the wolves wanted to add reinforcements, but it, it's hard to add reinforcements when you have guys who are going to come back guys like Mackenzie McEachern, who, came back and then actually made his way under the hurricanes, you know, contributing yeah. in the playoffs for the hurricanes. So, I, you know, I think maybe you got to eat your hat a little bit if you're the wolves and say, well, maybe, you know, we thought we were smart and could do this on our own. And, 
you know, but it helps an awful lot when you get a guy like Vasily Panamarov to come in and be a top six center yeah. for you. And, uh, you know, I think he's a spectacular young player and you, you can't get those guys as an AHL team if there's no incentive for them to be there. You know, you can get the Chris Terry's yep. because Chris Terry's is going to score his, you know, 70 points every year and be an AHL guy. You know, the the guys like Zach Dolpe and, and yep. people like that, you're going to get those guys. But what you need and what you need in the NHL now, I'm sure you've talked about this a zillion times, is you need young guys that can contribute. And that's certainly true in the yep. AHL. And it's tough to draw them in when you don't have a, a yeah. carrot to hang in front of them. <laughs> Uh, okay, last one for you. Um, back to the NHL. Tonight, the Hurricanes face off against the Islanders. What are you looking for? What do you expect in this one? Well, we know how the Islanders play. We know how the Hurricanes play. Um, yep. You know, it's a, it's a button-up defensive system for the Islanders. It's try to exploit your mistakes. And for the Hurricanes, it's pedal to the metal. Let's just go, go, go. Shoot pucks on net. Hope something goes in. Uh, maybe they dodge a little bit of a bullet tonight with Varlamov presumably being a net for the Islanders. I don't know. Gonna... Yeah, I, I don't know, know if that's he, dodging a bullet, Corey. He's been great. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, so, you know, we'll see that. A uh, little bit of a change in the lines. You know, Svechnikov missed the last game with a little bit of a a flu bug or yeah. a, a cold that I think maybe I'm carrying now. Um, <laughs> and I, I think I heard you mention yeah, you around. might be carrying a Oh, yeah, I've got it, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's going to play tonight, it looks like, but it looks like Michael Bunting is going to stay on the top line, and we'll see uh, how he continues to mm. mesh with uh, with Sebastian Ajo. That was the plan to start the season. I'm curious to see how he does tonight playing with with Ajo and then Seth Jarvis, who's just been yeah. uh, through, the roof, through the roof awesome. Just a, a super fun player to watch, despite the mustache. Well, despite the month, and uh, as he told us in the off season, he stopped eating candy, which yeah, is his yeah. big more re, 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 recommitment to fitness. I stopped eating candy, guys. Okay, we're gonna go Seth. Well, it's worked so far, so uh, maybe we should all uh, do that. Uh, listen, Corey, you're such a delight as always uh, to talk to and catch us up on the Canes. Much appreciated. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll check back soon, pal. Thanks, Jeff. And hey, just everybody, uh, send your thoughts out to Mike Maniscalco. Tough, uh, tough family situation for him right yes. now, but uh, have your thoughts with him. Absolutely. Uh, well said. Uh, the great Corey Lavalette from North State Journal and The Athletic. Uh, with that, we will bring in Matt Marchese because right now it is time for Line Change, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Bet local. Maddie, what are you thinking about tonight? You have 14 games to choose from. What is on your mind tonight? Uh, I've got the Oilers at the Jets, and the puck line is Oilers, the road team favored, uh, minus one and a half. The Oilers are 1-4 in, in the last five meetings in Winnipeg. The Oilers are 3-8 in, in the last 11 meetings overall. And the over is 4-1 in the last five meetings in Winnipeg. Connor, 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 Connor. Mm-hmm. All eyes are going to be on Connor and uh, the race for the Art Ross. And every game that goes by where he picks up another three or four points, we say, of course, this thing is inevitable. But it seems like just yesterday we were all saying, uh, yeah, he's washed for the season and so are the Oilers. Oilers passed a big test beating the Vegas Golden Knights the other night. And I know that Vegas isn't exactly that team that we saw machete its way through the playoffs last season. I understand that. They've hit a little bit of a speed bump. Get it. That happens. Going to happen to good teams and bad teams. Um, but that was a big test for Edmonton. 
And this is another big test for the Edmonton Oilers as well. Can I tell you a quick Wayne Gretzky story? Of course. About the Winnipeg Jets? So this is years ago when I'm hosting the Hockey Night in Canada radio show on Sirius. And I had Gretzky on. And we were blah, blah, blah about the old days, Smite the Vision, Battle of Alberta. And I said uh, something about the, the Winnipeg Jets and Dale Howardchuk. And Gretzky said something that I've always thought about since. And he said, there would be so many times where all of those guys on the Oilers, uh, Kevin Lowe, Gretzky, Messier, Curry, like all of them, Anderson, Huddy, Coffey, Fuhr, Moog, all of them after a Winnipeg Jets game would sit around and say, Phew, like after, after a game against Winnipeg Jets, would say, Phew, it's a good thing they don't have goaltending. Gretzky, made, Gretzky, Gretzky has always made the point that if the Winnipeg Jets in that era had goaltending, they would have been right there with the Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames. He said that was the only difference. He said Winnipeg terrified us except for one position, and that was in net. What that has to do with tonight's matchup is exactly zero, <laughs> but I just thought I'd give a little history for Wayne Gretzky and the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, anyway, that's line change. Didn't do much for you for tonight other than watch Connor score more points and maybe call Perfetti too. Uh, that's line change presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. All right, we got a big second hour coming up. We'll kick it off with Greg Wyshynski from ESPN and follow it up with the returning Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Keep it here. Hour two is on the horizon across the Sportsnet Radio Network, uh, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you listen to your podcasts, The Merrick Show continues. Tea time for me. Oh,